What's up, witches? And welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we're talking about Bullfinch's mythology. Yay! So we're going to be looking at this book throughout the year. But today we're just talking about the intro, what it is, um, what it's meant to you, Gemini. Yeah. Um, So let's just start with what I always do, bio. Uh, Even though this guy um, did not write this compilation because he was Hellenic or because he was interested in that. Um, But he is one of the people, the other person is Edith Hamilton. Yes. Who people usually hate. I really enjoyed Edith Hamilton as well. Oh, did you? Okay. Because some people like just, they hate her. No, I liked her. Okay. So um, he's just one of two people that everybody turns to when it comes to getting the myths correct. So he's tried to, you know, bring them to the modern age and, and get the, you know, authenticity of it. He was born in 1796 in Newton, Massachusetts, went to Harvard. Bougie. Yeah, very bougie. Mm. He never married. Oh, I love him already. Right? Probably gay. Maybe, That's yeah. my people. At, at the age of 59, he decided to popularize mythology and extend the enjoyment of elegant literature. So that was really his purpose. He wanted people to enjoy literature. And as an English teacher, I know because I tell my kids... If you want to know where people got their influences from, especially when we're going back, it's the Greeks and it's the Bible. Yeah. The myths of both. Um, you know, and the kids don't listen to me. They're just like, eh. you know, but there's a reason why you should study mythology. Yeah. And he says, you'll understand things. You'll understand the illusions when they mention someone. Yes. You'll know what that person is representing, you know? So that's the reason why he died. Or he did it. He died in 1867 at the age of 71. So, and in the preface, he does say, and I love this, mythology is the handmaid of literature. And literature is one of the best allies of virtue and promoters of happiness. So I love that that was his reason for doing this. Mm -hmm. Like his heart was so pure. Like it was about art. I just want you to love words. I just think that's great. You know, there's like, yeah, no bad. Well, I think that that is very much how I got into Hellenismos Mm -hmm. is through reading i i read i think edith hamilton in ninth grade Mm -hmm. and i was even before that reading as many stories as i could possibly get my hands on about the greek gods and so for me that entry point and especially like bullfinch being like i want this to be even in the introduction he says i want to tell the stories relating to them like i want you to know where this all came from that's what gave me the push to be like, all right, well, I want to know all about these myths. And then once I knew all about the myths, I was like, shit, I believe them. Oh, I'm a Hellenic. <laughs> so I think it's a great place to start for somebody who is interested in he- Hellenismos. Not to go right into, well, what's the practice? Know the stories. Right? Know what is said about the gods. Know what the gods were supposed to be. Start here. I think that's also really important when it comes to Wicca. Some people like to work just with, you know, um, Mother Earth and Father Son, and that's fine. Other people want to have a god and goddess. And when it comes to selecting a god or goddess, there's no right or wrong way, but you shouldn't jump into it. I think that you're better off not knowing for a while. And like you said, read myths, right? Read the myths of what is interesting you, whether it's Celtic, it's Norse, is Hey, it could be even be Greek. You could be Wiccan and have, you know, Greek gods. Yeah, as we learned reading Margot Adler. Which makes 
Gemini cuckoo. But I, I think I think that that makes a lot of sense. You've got to know what you're getting yourself into. Absolutely. Who, who are these gods? So yeah, okay. I'm going to read that quote actually from the first chapter because yeah. I really liked it and it was it was a great introduction moment. We propose to tell the stories relating to them which have come down to us from the ancients and which are alluded to by modern poets, essayists, and orators. We are going to tell you these stories as they were, but we are also going to show you what they have become. And I think that that is the first thing that I sort of need to tell everybody about Hellenismos, is there is a spectrum. You can be a full-on reconstructionist, or you can be a revisionist, or you can be somewhere in between. So explain what that even means. So a reconstructionist takes the practices as they were, as close as possible to what they were from ancient Greece, and enacts them in their daily life. Typically, a reconstructionist is going to be Athenian, because that's the culture that we have the most accurate information about. It might be Spartan. Maybe you'll get like some Minoan and some Cretan in there, because we do have information about that, but you're not going to see necessarily accurate rituals depicted from like Thebes. Or you could be a revisionist. And a revisionist for me is what I am. Um, I take the myths and I try to bring them into a modern context. So I do do some traditional things and we'll talk about that more as the podcasts go on. But I'm also accepting of the fact that I live in a modern world and I practice in a modern way. And so I see the gods not just as they were, but as they have become. And so I see a lot of value in the Bullfinch methodology of saying, all right, here's the myth, but also giving us Milton quotes, also giving us quotes from authors who have referenced the Greek gods and brought them into the modern culture that we currently experience them in. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not Greek. I'm not from Greece. So for me, the best way to honor the gods is in a way that feels genuine, that is in a way that feels real to me. And some of the things, like, I don't do meat sacrifices. I'm a vegan. I'm not going to go, like, as much as that was very traditional, incredibly traditional, you know, you would sacrifice cows to Zeus all the time. I'm never going to do that. Also, it'd be kind of weird reading at a cow. Yeah. To just, you know, take it Sometimes to you your like, apartment. Yeah, no. Yeah. There's some logistical issues with that as well, but... You know, how do you make it work in your modern experience? And so that's why I say, let's read Bullfinch, not, you know, let's do each specific myth in detail or like, let's look at the actual ancient practices. Let's read Bullfinch. Let's see how these myths are relevant. Okay, that sounds good. Um, so he does say that most of the tales are derived from uh, Ovid and Virgil. Yes. Which makes sense. But he does say that the reason that he wanted to do this was for enjoyment. Amusement is a term he uses. Um, so my question to you is, you know, reading this book, what would be the next? I know we shouldn't get to the next step, <laughs> but my question is this. So here you are. You've read these myths. You think, this is where I want to go. But the myths aren't going to take you there. I actually kind of knew you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> so the reason that I wanted to look at the introduction is because that's actually sort of the way that I want to approach this. And so let's start with the beginning here. He tells us we need to understand how the Greeks saw the world. 
Yes, which I thought was fascinating. The, by the Greeks, way. the original Greeks, right? right? The the way back in the day, Greeks. We're not talking about like Athenian democracy right. at this point. The Earth was flat. The Earth it was, was round, flat, and circular. Circular. That's what they said. So yeah, time is a flat circle. I yeah, I didn't mean round. Yeah. I meant yeah, flat and circular. Flat and circular. They were the center of the universe. They were in the middle of this flat, circular Earth. They only knew one sea. And they barely knew the people around them. So he right. discusses the idea of the Hyperboreans, of the Ethiopians, as being peoples who were so much better than the Greeks. So happy, so pure, everything was great. Utopia. The Ethiopians were so cool that the gods hung out with them. Like, yeah. oh, if only we could be as cool as them. No wonder we've never met them. At no point should a person who wants to be Hellenic read that and go, the world is flat. And Greece is the center of the world. But it should spur your interest in learning. And I think the foundation of Hellenismos is constantly learning about the gods. So for me, the website that I used to kind of double check everything is theoi.com, T-H-E-O-I.com. And just cross-referencing. Okay, are there other stories about the Hyperboreans? If there are, what do the stories tell? There's always a point. There's always a parable. There's always something you're supposed to learn from a Greek myth. And so what is the point of the Greeks believing that the earth is a flat circle that they're in the center of? Well, I think it's really fascinating because if I'm looking at this and saying, okay, whether I'm reconstructing the religion or what's the other one? Revising it. Yeah, reviving it. I'm looking at it like this. They are a people that since they are at the center, their relationship with the gods is really important. In other words, no matter what's going on in your life, the primary thing you should be focusing on is your relationship with gods because that's all you got. There's nobody else. You're in the center. You're it. Yeah. Other people don't really matter. And and it's also about trying to get in good with the gods. Yes. Since they seem to prefer other people. So if I'm Greek, or I don't mean Greek, but you know what I'm saying. Hellenic. Hellenic. Um, then, yeah, it's about making this connection. The connection is what seems to be important. And understanding that connection and your role in this pantheon that you're not a part of, but you desperately want to and have that's spot on. you. So it is important to know that stuff about the Greeks. Yeah. Yeah. So even though the story sounds... Ridiculous. And even though I would never tell anyone to take it literally. You have to know it. You have to know it. Yeah. And and as you sort of look into, well, how did Greek culture work? Yeah, you were constantly pouring libations to gods to be like, please love me. Please yeah. do nice things for me. I'm cool too. You can look at me too. <laughs> we're, we're buds, right? Yeah. If I, and even like the way that I sometimes phrase my, my libations, like if I have ever done anything that pleased you. Yeah. If ever you have looked favorably on me. Right here's some more stuff for you to look favorably on. Right. So even just looking at how did they view the world gives you grounding in the religion, the practice. And an understanding on how they might have built their religion. Exactly. You know, so. And we've read like one page of (laughs) Bullfinches and come to that conclusion. Yeah. So I really like it. Please read it. Um, They talk more about like the Hellas being the center the Ethiopians, and then even they say in this worldview that to the west lies the Elysian fields. 
And the Elysian Fields are where you go when you die. Right. It's sort of like the top part of Hades. The Greeks believed that the afterlife was a place on Earth. Right? Like, ooh, heaven is a place on Earth. <laughs> but literally. <laughs> Does that mean that Hades is Belinda Carlisle? Uh, no. No, but I really need to see Hades Town because um, the guy who plays Hades is like a full, it's like a true base, like Ooh. really, really deep. And I just really need to see Hades as that. Okay. So I need to see it. All right. Um, but I think that that also says something about what the Greeks were, this idea that like you were never, you weren't really leaving. Right. You were leaving behind the people that you loved, but you weren't, it wasn't this like crazy other world where you were never a part of existence. Right. And we do know from Homer that under certain circumstances, you might be able to open the gates and, yeah. and see your loved ones, right? Yeah. So, well, at least if you're Odysseus, you can. Yeah. Or Orpheus, but that ends yeah. poorly. Um, what I think is is funny, and I kind of like wrote down, I wrote like little stories that I, I thought this was kind of like, haha, little does he know. Uh, divinities of Olympus are extinct <laughs> without a single worshiper among living men. <laughs> And I thought, oh, okay. Thanks. I felt that in my soul. (laughs) But you know what? In all honesty, what does he know? He didn't come to this. Yeah. He's not Margaret Murray. Yes. If he was Margaret Murray, he would have said, and there are people reconstruction. They've been doing it the whole time. Exactly. But he's just a guy who's like, oh, I like myths and, you know. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about a time that um, a student told me that I was teaching religion that I could get in trouble? No. Okay. So I'm teaching um, the Odyssey. And, you know, before I do that, it's the first time kids are really, really reading mythology. Right. So I have on the board, I used to write on top, who's your daddy? (laughs) And then I would write all the gods. I love it. Right. And, you know, like who's related to who? And it was great because, you know, the kids are like, what are we reading now? And you go through this and they're like, wait, wait, stop. He married his sister. Wait, Mm -hmm. what? (laughs) You know, and they have, they have kids, you know. And there is in the beginning of Bullfinch's a, like, diagram for those of you who need it i used to do that on the board for my kids okay so i wanted to give them this backstory because again if you don't understand that then yeah forget the odyssey okay forget that you you can't move forward so kid raised his hand he said um couldn't you get fired for doing this and i thought what am i doing (laughs) and he goes you're teaching us religion and in the back of my mind i'm thinking yes i am (laughs) but i looked at him and i said go to the principal and tell him I'm please snitch you. on me. Please tell him that I'm teaching you about Zeus, and you know. And he just looked at me, and another kid looked at him and said, "Don't be stupid. You're not going to go over there. You're going to get in trouble if you go over there and say that." Because I mean, you know, I mean, let's face it. I wasn't trying to get them to convert to anything. Yeah. But it's what? So this kid just didn't want to learn. So he thought he was I love like, that. Get me that way. And I was like, please go to the principal and tell him that I'm teaching you. About Zeus and I'm and just imagining the principal at that point being like. Can you imagine his face if the kid walked in there and said, she's teaching us? I almost would like for him to have played along. And gone? And, and gone then, like, how dare you? Oh, that would have been, that would have been <laughs> awesome. Drag you, you know. out of the classroom. You know, and then you have kids that say, miss, what's a witch? And you go, well, I have a lesson plan for that, too. Let's pull that up. See, in that time, I was never accused of anything. That's weird. Yeah, that's that weird. It strikes me as extra weird because I feel like... Helen is most is still really not mainstream. 
Yeah, I don't think a lot of people. Well, I don't know. I think that I mean, we exist for yeah, sure. But I don't think that Wiccans don't think that you exist. You know what I'm saying? It's not like. But I don't think Wiccans know what we are. Like I know, I think a lot of Wiccans don't know the word Hellenismos. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like heathens are, I think, very mainstream. Yeah. Hellenismos, not so much. Well, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I don't think Wiccans know what you do. I mean, aside from... They know our gods. Giving, yeah, giving offerings to gods. I don't know what Hellenics yeah. do. You know, it's never really... But I've never... It's never been a point where I've been like, you do what? Like, it's never... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah, of course. Because any, any culture and religion that has mythology and the mythology has lived, there's going to be other people who adopt this mythology. Absolutely. And, and, and the religion either changes or it stays the same or it keeps going or whatever. So, um, you know, you had mentioned video games in the last podcast. And you know God of War. Yes. Okay, you know that the games that came before it are based on Greek mythology. Yes. Okay. Just Yes, I know he kills Ares and ascends to become the God of War. Right. And there's a weird uh, sex game that you can play in it. What? You have to, like, press buttons to have sex with one of the characters. That's all I know. I've never played God of War. That's all I know about it. Wait, God of War, the game that came before? I One of the God of War games. Okay. I have to have a conversation with my husband because <laughs> I have not played God of War. It's it's supposedly like a really minor thing, but it's like But it's so weird. weird. Yeah. No, it's weird. Do you know why I didn't play God of War? Because it's weird? No, not because that happened. So it starts out and you're like, okay. And then they have to kill this deer. Oh, yeah, no. And I said, I'm out. And yeah. my husband goes, what? I said, I'm out. I said, I cannot. He goes, you know the deer is not real. Doesn't matter. And that's what I said. I said, I don't like it. I don't mind killing people I in don't video mind games. I killing people either. But not an animal and definitely not a kid. Yeah. Like, you know, can't just, you have these adult looking things killing each other. So they did that. So he played it. He finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I'm not, I'm banning. I'm boycotting this. Boycotting game. the game. So I won't. But the idea that you have to, like, why even put that in a game? Yeah. Like, that's not even... I I personally strong. strongly disagree with it. Anyway, so, yes, let's go back. Um, I just it, that. No, it's a good segue because you have this, this story of a new god ascending mm. to become the god of war. And that is how Greek mythology sort of begins, is you have chaos and you have... Um, night and you have love and you have all of these different and then you get the titans and the titans rule earth for some time and you know it's questionable as to whether or not that was a good thing or not some people some descriptions of it are like yeah the titans were dope and some descriptions are like no the titans sucked also saturn ate all his kids um this is the first thing that i want to talk about here though is bullfinch does discuss the gods using their sort of latin names using mm-hmm. their roman names mm-hmm. and I think that that was another, it was another sort of serious choice on my part to be like, you should see how the religion has changed. Um, I know we've talked, I think, in season one about how, like, the Greek gods and the Roman gods came originally from the Etruscan gods and back even farther from that. So, yes, I like, Zeus is Zeus and Hera is Hera, but also Zeus is Jupiter and also Hera is Juno. Right. And you should see how historically information has changed. So in the time period of Greece that I work with, Apollo is not a sun god. But 
as time progresses and Greeks and Romans begin to mingle with each other and the Roman religion begins to take off, Apollo becomes a sun god. He becomes syncreticized with this idea of Hyperion and the idea of, you know, he was a light god, so he must be a sun god. But originally, he was a god of prophecy, a god of shedding light. Okay. Right? Also music. Which makes sense. So you see how, how they change. And so I think that it's important to see that, like, yes, we're using the Roman names because there has been such a growth. There there are so many different moments that the gods have existed in so many different ways. And how do you relate to them? So how do you choose which time period um, you're going to you're going to take for your practice? I... That's a very good question. It really depends on where you're where you are on the spectrum. So a reconstructionist is going to be like, I practice ancient Athenian Greek religion. And they're using rituals that have been found by anthropologists or by archaeologists, and they have like timestamps. If you're a revivalist, then it becomes what you're what you related to or where you started your research. So, like, I, this is probably, like, a little bit, but I think Religia Romana and Hellenismos are, like, very intrinsically connected to each other. The idea of, like, worshipping the Roman gods and worshipping the Greek gods around that same period, they're, they're the same. They're very closely related. But when you go back to looking at Greece itself and sort of, like, Hellenic versus Hellenistic, they're different. So Hellenistic being more like Alexander the Great, when all of the cultures are coming together, versus Hellenic, which is just looking at Greece itself. It's a lot of research. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, I think, I don't know, I think, oh, wow. Yeah, where do you begin? And if you do Hellenistic, then you're also incorporating um, Egyptian into that as well. So now, why did you choose revivalist instead of reconstructionist? I am... Bad at religion is why I'm not kidding. I wish that I was joking. Um, I ch- I actually was very interested in Reconstructionist when I first got involved in Hellenismos, and I was like, "This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to have a reconstructed religion." And then I realized that, especially at the time that I was doing it, that I didn't have the the energy or the capacity. I, mean, I was in college. I didn't have the space to do that, and so I said, "All right, if I can't." worship the gods in a explicitly traditional way what can i do and i started working with what can i do and by the time i got to now i really sat down and i was like you know what this works so i have another question Mm -hmm. you know we've talked so much about wicca and this idea that there are still people who say you can't call yourself a wicca unless you've been initiated you can you know all these different rules some people have rules some people don't wiccans and how they practice differ um is there anything like that with your practice like is there anybody who's going to be like no so you're wrong there is like no i don't think so but i am also told like i'm a little afraid to be doing this because i don't have like a a community i i didn't have like a bunch of other hellenics where i could be like hey is this cool that i'm like is this what we're supposed to do um I try to use Hellenion as a resource as much as possible. And Hellenion is H-E-L-L-E-N-I-O-N dot com. 
Hellenion is the organized Hellenic religion that is recognized by the U.S. Okay. So Hellenion is... It, that's the real deal. If you're, like, trying to be ordained, if you want to be in a religious community, that's Hellenismos. Um, I use the calendar to figure out when the holidays are. I sometimes use the hymns and libations that they put nice. up. But Hellenismos is almost exclusively solitary. And because of that, I think there's even more room than in Wicca where we're all just kind of doing whatever. Um, the only reason I knew that the word Hellenismos existed was because I've seen it online. Um, and, like, I guess the thing that I really want to say is, like, I'm just telling everybody my practice and how I got involved in it and, and the way that I would suggest if you are interested in worshiping the Greek gods to go about that. But I'm not an expert, and I can't tell you you're right or wrong. I can tell you what I do and what's right for me. And the other thing is, you know, for people who maybe don't want to do – it sounds like a lot of work. I don't, I don't think it's bad, but I'm just saying it's it a lot of work. Like it's a lot of work because you don't really have, like you said, like that community. Um, and I guess I also tell people, don't – if you really are – I think if you're really interested in the Greek gods, like we said in the beginning, you've got to read the myths. And then you have to decide for yourself. Absolutely. Whether you are going to follow them in a, whether it's revisionist or whether it's reconstruction or whether you want to just take those gods and worship them in a Wiccan way. Yeah. And I mean, revivalist is almost the entire spectrum, right? You've got like reconstructionist on one end and then very slightly over the rest of it is just different revival think, yeah, practices. So a Wiccan way of looking at the Greek gods could be considered a uh, revisionist, no? Um, I would Maybe. consider, I think it's Wiccan. Yeah. I definitely think, I mean, I mentioned on the Drawing Down the Moon one, like, wow, it would have been nice to know that Greek Wicca was a thing. Um, it's definitely something that if you are interested in Wicca and the Greek gods, you should look into. Don't feel like you have to be Hellenic because you... you have options. Yeah, absolutely. And revivalist... I mean, there are people who even worship, like, Aphrodite of the Chesapeake Bay, mm. right? That is completely out of the realm of Greek tradition, right? The Chesapeake Bay didn't exist to them. It yeah. wasn't on the flat circle. But I'm not that doesn't invalidate their worship of Aphrodite. Right. I think that the most important thing in Hellenismos is knowing the gods. And that's why the most important book for Hellenismos, for me, is a mythology book. Right. Right. We should read mythology. And then you can figure out the rest of it. And that's the beauty of it is that we have the internet now. So once you've read the myths, you have so many ways to go. If you want to know about the history, yeah. so you can go into the history of Greece and how people practiced. And I think that that's probably was not available until we had the internet. I mean, where would you Absolutely. go? You know, a library. I'm yeah. not saying there was never a place. But there. it was much harder. Yeah. It's got to be. So I think that... That Hellenismos is a bigger option now than ever. Absolutely. Because you do have the opportunity to go to different places. And, you know, university libraries have a lot of good stuff. Yeah. If you have access to one, you should stop by. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think I highlighted, like, one other thing. Okay. Mm, that was Apollo. We talked about that. Boop -a -doop -a -doop -a well, yeah. I mean, he definitely describes all the gods. Yes. He goes into that. Um... 
So that's really good. Um, so. And then I have a question for you when you're done. Absolutely. He gets into uh, Roman divinity. So he gives yeah. all the Greek Greek gods their Roman names and then goes into a section about the preceding are the Grecian divinities, though received also by the Romans. Saturn was an ancient Italian deity. It was attempted to identify him with the Grecian god Kronos. This is why we get things like Saturnalia. And this is why when you're looking into the myths, it is always important to do a little bit of of looking with the myths. The last thing that I want to talk about is right at the end of the introduction, he has like a little author's note. It is to be observed that in proper names, the final E and ES are to be sounded. Thus, Cibele and Penates, Penates okay. are words of three syllables. But Prosperine and Thebes are exceptions to be pronounced in English words. As English words. It took me a really long time. Like, longer than I care to admit to figure that out. Okay. I just kind of skipped that note when I was reading the book the first time. I actually might have skipped the introduction entirely when I read it the first time. But um, it's not... Persephone, it's Persephone. And that's just is that's just a thing that when I read it and learned it made me feel better about worshiping the Greek gods. You're not bad if you didn't know it, but it's it's a nice little tidbit. Oh, I think there's a lot of things we, we don't pronounce correctly depending on wish that I had known it okay. earlier. I spent a lot of years. Persephone. Really? Yeah. I've never heard that. Because it's in Persephone. So I read, I'd never heard it pronounced out loud, and I read a book when I was young, I made him an eight or nine, called Phone Home Persephone, so I thought it was supposed to rhyme, Phone Home Persephone. Yeah. Yeah. Which, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Think about it. As a kid, that was pretty smart. It's pretty intuitive to think that- Thank it, you for validating yeah, me there. Yeah, no, no, no. Because I think that you told me, you know, you were 15, I would say, well- You know, I was young. Yeah. Was, but no, it, no, no. I think that was really good. It was very annoying. So, another question I have for you is- so why did you choose Greek over Roman? I I just was like I guess called to it. Makes sense. Um I have I have a lot of memories of being young and feeling like I was in contact with the gods and like I also have a lot of I had a lot of moments when I was younger but older than that where I was like this is bonkers you're crazy you need to that's let's never tell anyone that. But I remember being able, especially when I was younger, to sense Athena very strongly. And that was kind of the thing that brought me into it, is as I was really passionate about the Greek myths, and I had this unexplainable connection to Athena that just made me like, all right, all right, let's figure it out. How can I make this happen for me? Um, and then I did, and now I feel slightly better about it. I mean, in all honesty, I feel like the Roman names are an aside in our culture. We really, when we talk about stuff, we're really yeah. talking about the Greek myths. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I was just curious. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I think that the Roman myths do differ from the Greek myths. Um, not not always and not drastically, but they do. Um, I did really love the, the like, Rome origin story, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, with the, the wolf that was perfection for young Gemini, but it was never, it was never in me the way that Greek mythology was. Right. And so it just, it was a natural next step in my life. So I have another question. You know, when it comes to 
Wicca. You can choose which gods, right? I don't have to include everybody in a Celtic pantheon, pantheon right. or everybody in the Norse pantheon. But when it comes to the Greeks, and I think it just comes from my reading of mythology and the fact that I've taught mythology in classes, to me, they all come together. Yeah, and so, they must. Oh, okay. That's yeah. What I'm gonna ask. It's one of those things where like, because I've said before, like I really did start in a sort of eclectic Wiccan sort of way in that sort of vein. And you absolutely can, but for me, it never felt right because I always saw the 12, right? Mm -hmm. You have the 12 Olympians. And even when you do libations, like I always, there's always a reference to Hestia, Hestia first and last. So no matter who you're pouring a libation to, you're also pouring a libation to Hestia because she's your house. Got it. Um, So there, that sort of, was the foundation for me not being Wiccan. Because I think if it had just been my relationship to Athena, then that very easily could have been a Wiccan tradition. A Wiccan tradition. But it was also my relationship to the entirety of the gods, of their stories, of their myths, that that whole universe really called to me. And I think that's really the difference. I think for people who are like, oh, maybe I'm Hellenic. If it's a couple of gods worship them, right? Like, go right. for it. But you don't have to worship, like, Athena and Ares or Hera and Zeus and everybody else if that's not what you're called to do. But if you are, then you are looking at Hellenismos. You're exactly. You're looking at Wicca. So yeah. It's about everybody. Yes, definitely. Which is, I mean, it's not that many. It's 12. It's not like you're talking about 100. You would well, say, okay. It's 12, and then Hades doesn't count as part of the 12. Persephone doesn't count. All the Chthonic. Oh. All the underground deities. So technically, Hecate, Hecate does not count as the 12. Really? Yeah. The 12 is, let's see if I can do this. Zeus, Hera, Apollo, uh, Artemis, Athena, Dionysus, Ares, Hephaestus. Did I say Hestia? Hestia, Aphrodite. Hephaestus is in there? Yeah, that's 10. I'm missing two. I just kind of feel like he shouldn't even be in there. I feel Who like am I? Like Did I say Hermes? No. I love Honestly, him. That's my boy. He's going to be real tight. But I feel like you didn't... Okay, sorry I got again. distracted. <laughs> 12. Zeus, Hera, Apollo, Artemis, Ares, Athena, Aphrodite, Hermes, Dionysus, Hestia, Aphrodite, 12. Okay. I didn't say Hermes. He's going to kill me. Okay. <laughs> so we'll never see you again. If, yeah, if I get smited, smote, um, it's because of Hermes. So you got, you got the 12, which are like the Oronic, the sky deities, and then you've got the Chthonic, which is the earth or underground deities, and then you've got everybody's kids, so the seasons are their own gods, the muses are their own gods, okay. there's... Okay, but when you say you have to worship all of them, you mean the 12? I mean, you must worship the 12. But then the others you can pick and choose if you add somebody on? So like, at the changing of the seasons, I would do a libation to the Hore, the seasons. But I wouldn't be, like, reaching out to them all the time. Got it. So it's, you honor them all as much as you can, as is appropriate with their station. And then the holidays will determine if you worship any others past the 12th. Right. Got it. Yeah. And, like, so you have Theogamia, which is the, the holiday that celebrates the marriage of Zeus and Hera. I'm going to honor Zeus and Hera above the rest of the gods at that time. Because it's their literal wedding day. Like, happy anniversary, you're right. the best. 
if I'm doing the Eleusinian Mysteries, I'm worshipping Persephone and Demeter above the rest because it's their holiday. Got it. But, like, on a daily basis, it's all you try to do all of them as much as possible. And you can you can have a personal relationship with gods, right? I am closer to Hermes. to Hermes now than I think I was when I was younger. I was closer to Athena when I was younger, but having a personal relationship with the gods doesn't change the fact that you also have sort of a professional relationship with the gods, which is, thank you all for existing. Please don't smite me. Here's some incense. Yeah. So as we go forward in Bullfinch's mythology, and we start talking about the myths, um, is there a particular order we're going to be doing this? Is there something that you think people, because the other thing is, you know, if we know this, and then maybe even listeners can know ahead of time, maybe they want to check out the myths. So when we talk about them, they've They've heard them or read them. What I'm going to try to do is set it up so that if there's like a holiday that we're going to be talking about, that I'll make sure that the reading has to do with that. Um, if there are certain gods or goddesses. So like we're going to be talking about Daepnon or I never know how to say that word. It's another word that I've never heard pronounced out loud. It's D-E-I-P-N-O-N, which is um, Hecate's monthly holiday. It's a, It's sort of a offering to the restless dead that you do once a month. See, and I love that we're going to be talking about that because I feel that so many witches use Ecate. Right. And so we're going to, I would like to read about her and then talk about that. Or, you know, if we're going to do Theogamia, we're going to read about Zeus and Hera. I am almost positive Bullfinch has the myth of how he kind of tricked her into marrying him. And then, so sort of that sort of structure, um... If I'm responsible, I will post that ahead awesome. of time. I feel like Zeus um, anciently roofied a lot of women. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... You, uh, yeah. It's an issue. You will, you know, we'll deal with that one at a later point. Okay. <laughs> we, I, we could do a whole episode on the relationship between a modern audience and an ancient audience, too. Because here's the thing. Like, people flip their shit with baby is cold outside okay yeah i cannot tell you how many conversations i've had where i tell people let us annotate baby's cold outside it's not a rape song yeah right written in the 40s is not what it's about um that i just find it interesting i can't wait to hear if people have you know oh my god not zeus because zeus he tricks women all the time yeah I mean, here's... All right, we'll do this really quick. Part of what you have to recognize is that women in ancient Greece were just as smart as women now. Oh, sure. So, like, if a goose came up to me with a boner, I'm not fucking that goose. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, normal women don't go, oh, that bull? I'm doing that. (laughs) So they're... As much as the myth is like, oh, Zeus turned into a bull and he had sex with a princess and now we have a minotaur. You also have to recognize that, like, if you take the story literally, that shit's bonkers. So the question is, is the story about how men, one man in particular, just wants to get what he wants, in which case it's kind of rape? Or is it just like baby is cold outside? Okay, I'm going to say I don't want to be here, but I'm going to fuck that goose because I know it's Zeus and... I know what's good. And you have to recognize that if a person in ancient Greece was claiming to have a demigod child. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. That's 
that's sort of a big deal. Yeah. Right? And it also is to mythologize our ancestors. And, like, part of Hellenismos is revering your ancient dead, which is why I got tight about Alexander the Great when we were reading Zibudapest, because right. he is the honored dead. Some of these stories exist because Perseus was a really cool dude who did really cool shit, and there's no way he could be a regular human. Right. So obviously his mom fucked a goose. Right. That happened to no, Perseus, his mom fucked a stream of light, actually. It was like golden showers. And okay, then, that's totally different. There's a lot of having sex with things that people definitely didn't have sex with. And so, like, you have to kind of step back and be like, all right, is this, is this a literal story? And, and no, we already know. They're not literal. Reading Adler, that no, mythology is not to be taking, taken literally. And that, for me, is, you got three steps from this podcast, right? Step one, read the myths. Step two, do a little bit of research. Step three, take nothing literally. Yeah. First three steps to becoming a Hellenic. I love it. I can't wait to see where this takes us next. Me too. I'm really excited. And if you didn't love it, please just don't tell me. I'd like to live in denial for as long as possible. But if you did love it and you want to know or give us suggestions for where to take this, because we can take this a lot of different ways. A lot of different ways. We can... We're definitely going to keep talking about Hellenismos, but if you want to know how to incorporate the gods in your Wiccan practice, we can also talk about that as well. Absolutely. So, you know, reach out to us, whether it's on Instagram, which is Witchspace Co., or on our, um, you can email us at witchspaceco at gmail.com. Or you could, like, send us a carrier pigeon or smoke signals or... Do not send Zeus. I mean, like, no, bro, you could totally send him. I will fuck that goose. <laughs> I'm saying it here on the podcast. I will do it. And I will definitely will do an episode on Zeus. Yeah. And your demigod child. Yes. There we go. <laughs> that would make it worth it for me. Sounds great. The only way I'm having kids is if one of those <laughs> if Zeus is. is the father. There we go. Noted. I'm gonna it's gonna be a virgin birth now. This is the problem. Okay. <laughs> it's like three podcasts from now where you're like, so Gemini's pregnant. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Zeus went challenge accepted. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I think we're good. Yeah, for this first step into Hellenismos. This was good. This is exciting. I feel weird, but in, a, in an excited way. I think it was great because I know I asked you questions during Gen- Gemini season. Yeah. But, like, I didn't know what to ask you when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so being able to talk about this and looking at this... I just had a bunch more things that I just yeah. wanted to know. So so I'm learning. I love this. This is awesome. I'm smiling like anybody. One day I think we should just record a video like uh, that goes with the podcast. On so, YouTube yeah, so people could just see what we look like while we do this. That would be funny. It'd be hilarious. With the snacks in front of us oh and the dog I'm on my lap. Desperately trying not to eat this turong. 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 It's delicious. Um, thank you so much for listening to us. <laughs> Even when we go off on tangents about Spanish candies. And for our next full moon, we will be talking about Ed Fitch and his book Magical Rites from the Crystal Well from 1984, which is going to be interesting. It's got some new things, got some old things, and we'll see how Wicca progress from there. Very excited. Yeah, should be good. Thank you, of course, to Sean McShane for our amazing intro and outro music. Absolutely. Before we sign off on this episode, I just want to take a second to tell you guys about the amazing 
thing that Scorpio is doing. She's been teasing it a little bit on our Instagram, but I'm so excited about it. I can't hold it in. So Scorpio, you're going to have to let me tell everybody. Scorpio is running a Witchcraft 101 class through the World Divination Association. It's something that you can still sign up for on the website. And of course, I'll link that for you on our Instagram and hopefully in the body of this podcast as well. But she'll be using all of the knowledge and amazing skills that she brings to this podcast to help you and anyone else who signs up to really understand the basics of witchcraft. I'm so excited to see it. She's working so hard on this. It's going to be one of the most amazing things. And I hope you all get the opportunity to take the class as well. And of course, remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us.